Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Just being in the room with somebody who chooses to start talking about their pain is incredibly powerful. And just sitting there and nodding, even if you're thinking, wow, I have no idea how to respond to this. I don't know what to say. Wow, this is, this is quite scary stuff. This is freaking me out. Just sitting with the person and saying, I'm here with you. I'm here for you. I'm so glad that you're talking about this. Just let them talk. That's the cool thing about being a Māori artist. To show me that that was possible. Uncle Sam voice. You realise that the point of life that I have, I have more hair to your phone number, although it's you're being left alone at home with gangsters. What is this? What is this? What is this? Tēnā koutou e te whānau, no mai haere mai ki te Paperback Gorillas, the podcast for mana-enhancing kōrero, we think is worth our time sharing and your time hearing. Ko Peter Barrett tēnei, this is Peter Barrett, and this kōrero is with Hinemua Alda. Uh, he tōtara haimata ia, she is a leader, an expert working for our people, an author, and much more. Uh, we cover a lot in this episode. Dr. Hinemua is a psychiatrist, so of course we talk about mental health and hauwara or healing strategies, uh, Māori trust in the health system and our vaccine vaccination rates, we talk about parenting in a healthy way, uh, and the lessons that we can learn from our tūpuna. Uh, we cover some of the impacts of knowing your history, the power of routine, and a whole lot more. Uh, we didn't get through all of the kōrero that we wanted to, uh, but we'll be back for a second edition later on, so stay tuned for that. We did record this one during lockdown, so my kids were popping in and out to show us both their new backpacks and a couple of other treats. I left some of that kōrero in there because that's what life looks like for a lot of us right now, and it's a good marker of time, as well as a reminder that these conversations aren't only for us, uh, and that chunks of this one especially are ultimately for our tamariki, so why would I cut them out? And like Hinemua says later on, they're someone's tūpuna or ancestors too. Uh, this kōrero was powerful and insightful. Uh, there are many topics that are really close to my heart and which I think are important for us as Māori, us as humans as well, uh, and some of it was pretty heavy. And I do think of this podcast as mental health mahi because, if nothing else, I want it to remind us all that we can be happy, uh, that we can find ways to cope when it's tough, because uh, the opposite to that, uh, that being able to cope, uh, and what we're trying to cope with is ultimately mamai or pain, and at its worst, uh, suicidality, and we touch on that a bit in this episode at a, a signals and prevention level, so if that's triggering for you, etefano, then please don't listen. But also, if, like me, you worry that you're not equipped to help friends or whānau going through mental distress at that level, then please do listen. Uh, and especially for those of us still struggling through the impacts of lockdowns and COVID, uh, kia kaha, kia maia, kia mana winui, be strong, be brave, be steadfast. Uh, I hope you enjoy the kōrero. Kia ora. Oh, tēnā koe, nā ti raukawa ki te tonga, te atiawa ki whakarongotai, nā ti tua. Ano hoki uh, no kuti fifia hoa, uh, kai te wānanga tahi tāua, kai te whakawhiua uh, e tahi kōrero ki te, ki te ao whānui. Mm. Ai, uh, no te kōtua hau, uh, no muri whenua, tēnei uri, ai, ko hene mōna tōku. No, it's my pleasure, and as you say, um, sharing our, our thoughts and our experiences um, 
as far afield as they may reach uh, to people that need to hear them uh, to invite some new reflections. Absolutely. Um, I'm all so thank you for the opportunity. So maybe a good place to start uh, is with the with with the mahi that you're doing now, and with our our um, our primary kind of partai for this for this kopapa, which is around finding a place uh, and a pathway to a life that you love, uh, and using our mahi to do that because we spend so much of our time doing that mahi. Um, so yeah, are you are you doing the mahi that you love? And and please tell us a little bit about that mahi. Okay. Short answer is yes, I am doing the mahi that I love. And uh, the mahi that I do is I actually wear a number of different hats. So I have a number of different types of mahi, but it's really centered around oranga. And so in my, my pākehā tohu, I am a child and adolescent psychiatrist. All that means, it might sound a little bit full on, but all that means is I'm a medical doctor and I'm trained to work with young people and their whānau who are experiencing a range of different kinds of distress um, which, which impair the way that they experience the world and they experience joy in the world and love of their own lives. So that's, that's at the heart of, of what I do as a, what's called a clinician. Mm, kia ora. Um... And I've, I've I read in one of your um, one of your quoted all about the the impact that your mother had on on that pathway of of life for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that that impact that she had? For sure. So my mum uh, was an amazing woman, a uh, real wahine um, marae, and she grew up like many people's parents and grandparents with. Um, this uh, very clear idea that being Māori was dangerous, being Māori was not acceptable, and uh, that that our our parents and our grandparents were taught to extinguish or try to extinguish that part that part of themselves, and um, I witnessed her really struggle with that, and she then developed breast cancer and got really ill, and so we as a whānau got to meet a lot of medical people. And in that journey, I, the seed began to develop in me around noticing that the um, she, she didn't ever have any Māori doctors that were looking after her. And I remember thinking, these people don't really understand mum and understand the fact that she's Māori. Yes, she can speak great English and she can, you know, uh, navigate the Pākehā world, but she's not Pākehā. And so um, that was really my inspiration. Kia ora, honey. Oh, yeah. Lucky. Um, so I was talking about mum and, and her influence on me. We saw a lot of medical people. And um, so I started to think perhaps in a, in a um, I don't know, a, maybe a, the arrogance of youth is a, is a wonderful thing. Mm. And I thought, well, I, I could, I think I might be able to, you know, do this differently mm. um, for, other, for other whanau who are Māori and who are going through difficult medical experiences. Um, 
I could see the need for Maori doctors. And so that that then grew and led me to apply for medical school. And that really began this is with this theme of, you know, discovering lives, discovering the life that we love within us. That was that really um, that was a really powerful experience. I absolutely loved medical school. Every single day was a privilege. Um, and despite the fact that, of course, there were many challenges mm. and there was, you know, all the, 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 the sort of racism that we that we know and and um, continue to fight against was has been there all that time. But despite all of that, I I loved it and I knew that I was incredibly privileged to be to be given that opportunity. Mm. Can, can you? Um, well, I mean, firstly, Karoha um, uh, you know, for, in terms of your mother passing. Um, and I, I, I do want to come back and, and talk about some of those challenges that we encounter, but also that um, what you just said around discovering the the life that we love within us. Um, I mean, I, I really love that for Cardo, and I love that um, that kind of acknowledgement that those lives are already there within us. Um, and, you know, if you go back, and you can think about that a bunch of different ways, but if we think about back up through our, our whakapapa um you know, we've had all of this experience and these these shared these learnings that have that have been passed down to us and these lived experiences, um, but that we just might not know that they're there yet, right? And we might not know the uh, those pathways are there as as um, as options. Um, do you do you think if you hadn't had that experience in the uh, you know through that 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 journey with your with your mother? Do you think you would have found that life that you love? Like, was there anything there before then that led you to think that this might be something that you want to spend time doing? Mm. So uh, there's a number of answers to those those parts. I um, so one of the things that I, I recognise about myself is that I. I believe that I'm somebody who's grown up with a sense of possibility in, in every encounter, that life offers many choices and many crossroads, and that, in a way, no matter which road you choose, um, whichever road I've chosen, I've, I have made lots of mistakes, and I've somehow learned from my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, something in my whakapapa, in the momo, um, I suspect of our people from the far north is that um, that gritty resiliency, that belief that things will unfold in the way that they're meant to, and that there will be a joy, there will be a love, there will be a purpose that will be revealed. So if if Mum hadn't gone through that and I hadn't decided to go to med school, I probably would have ended up working in the creative sector. I had um, absolutely loved music and dance and drama from a young age and had loved the collaborative nature of those pursuits and had, you know, dedicated a lot of time and energy to that. And really, that's another of my happy places, if you like. So I I feel, I feel confident that... Um, you know, in a, in a parallel universe, perhaps with other options, 
I I would have I would have still discovered things that made me feel good about my life and made me feel I had a, I had a contribution to make mm. as part of that kind of I guess the output of that that grit or that um the 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 far north tenacity um being uh being about the awareness of the ability to just enjoy your life like I find that as being like that, I mean, we talk about possibilities as in possible pathways, but like the actual overarching potential to just enjoy your life, right, and just be happy is something that can can take a lot of explaining and um, and role model role modeling to even make sure we're aware of, right? Mm, I agree, and I think there is an inherent tension in modern society around doing and mm. being. And so much emphasis is placed on the doing, the achievements, and then the kind of material possessions that are acquired and that and valued by that whole system of thinking and doing. And it takes uh, a different mindset and a different kind of confidence, a different kind of sense of place in the world. And I think that's what our whakapapa is trying to tell us all the time. There is a place for you. You are here for a reason. You are representing your tupuna mm. now. And so just sit with that, you know, just be in that, have that sense of noho puku with that and just see what happens. You don't always have to be fighting, uh, out there pushing striving actually it's a different kind of strength it's a different kind of resilience to simply be and mm. to enjoy that mm. Kia ora. um and we're you know ka, ka haere atu, uh, i te ara, uh, get, get the um yeah. On that on that topic and something else that I've that I've heard you say before and, and lots of our, our Rangatira Māori say um is that there's just there's so much mahi to do, right? Like um mm. there's a lot of there's a lot to do and there's um not not a lot of us with the capacity or the the space and headspace and all of that stuff to do some of that mahi. So so on on the note of what you've just been talking about, um you know, actually just being and not doing, how do you balance that? Um, what I imagine is a bit of a, a bit of a constant need and a bit of a constant desire on on the part of a lot of our rangatira Māori and, and um, something that I battle with to do the mahi, right? Like I've got some time mm. in my day and I know that there's a difference that I can make. So I should use that time to do that. Um, is that. Is that something that you grapple with uh, and if so, how do you balance your own health and your own wellness and your own being happy and being well? Yeah, it's a difficult one. And I think at different ages and stages of our lives, of our developmental trajectory, we need to um, perhaps reclaim some of those ideas to help us be okay with, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a different level of tolerance for action and inaction and frustration and the desire to get things happening when I'm 15 compared to when I'm 25, 35, 45, 55, which is how old I am now. So, and whether we have children or we don't, whether we have a partner or we don't. So, so I think um, those real life contexts that we're all in 
are such an important part of of being okay with wherever we're at. Because, of course, the other thing about modern society is that we are taught to sort of compare in Mm. a bad way, in a negative way. Oh, well, I'm not doing what they're doing and I should be doing more. I really hate the word should. Mm. This Pākehā word is a very, very bad word, a very unhelpful word. So I'm not sure that I've ever discovered a balance. Um, I'm not sure if that exists. And I think maybe... Where I'm at now, I don't strive for whatever that might be because I'm not sure that it really exists. Mm. But other people in other settings may. I, um, I'm very driven and uh, I, when, I, when I get involved in something, I, I don't put the brake on. Um, I, I go with that energy and that passion and then there are times when I, you know, drop and and fall flat on my face, and I'm I'm tired, I'm exhausted, um, I've had it. Uh, I try I try not to do that sort of boom bust cycle mm. so much. I do have some self awareness around what my tendencies are and my personality, my my character, that momo I talked about. And so I do uh, try to keep that sort of third eye aware of um, where I'm at energy-wise. I do have a regular routine. I've learned that for me personally, it helps a lot. So I get up early. I'm awake. I like to wake up without an alarm. I, I have a, I, I have a really, um, oof. I, I don't like alarms. The whole word alarm is just a horrible word, right? When you think about it, we wake up to an alarm. This is, this is awful. True. <laughs> I like to wake. I don't have any. I, I live in a place in, in the Ngahiri, so I don't have to have curtains on my window. So mm. I wake up with the light, with tamanuitera. And, and so I wake up and I wake up with the birds and I like to just get up and get cracking. And my energy in the morning is really good. So in an ideal day, I would love to do um, a bit of a stretch, maybe some sort of yoga or Pilates and a meditation. I use a Shakti mat. Um, I find that it really works for me. I, I have regular things that I do every day and that helps to ground me and helps to open up, if you like, that energy, that that drive to be productive. Because, of course, we can all have lots of energy, but it doesn't necessarily go anywhere. So I want to make sure that when I have energy, that it's um, it's focused and it's uh, delivering and it's actually helpful for people. Because I suppose I always have to keep something in the tank, especially lately, because so many people are ringing me and messaging me because they're struggling. And and um, so I want to make sure that if somebody messages me in the middle of the night that I'm going to be okay about that and I'm going to be uh, able to call on good judgment, good listening skills, so I can really be part of a solution. That probably didn't answer your question at all. <laughs> But something along those lines. I don't think there's such a thing as balance. I think we all just do the best we can, and sometimes we get it wrong. I suppose that's, that would be one of my key messages. We have to learn by making mistakes and um, and welcome those and then really take the time to reflect on what the mistakes mean. Mm, Kilda.
I suppose one of the other things I'd say is that um, the thing that replenishes me, the thing that really keeps me uh, feeling alive and that I'm living the life that I love is being connected to my whānau and, and seeing uh, my my kids, um, my wider whānau whānui, having that contact. And I've luckily luckily enough, I have to be with you. lockdown. <laughs> Plenty of excitement. Okay. Um, and so we we have a great relationship. I, I'm lucky. I have, you know, two healthy, fantastic kids and we have a lot of fun together. So that is a source of, um, if you like, that is a source of balancing joy because I love being their mum. I love being part of their it's lives. I love being part of my just like this. Just like your kids <laughs> being part of our corridor. It's perfect. I was just reflecting on my reaction to David Seymour's tweet uh-huh. yesterday. And um and so then I and I was thinking about um a little bit more critically probably than I would have been than I have been recently, but like why that trust element for us as Māori is, is quite tricky when it comes to the health system um, and why we are, you know, the lowest lowest vaccinated group. That point that you made at the start where when you were going through that that hiding with your with your mama, there were just no there were no Māori doctors, right? And there there weren't there wasn't any kind of acknowledgement of of her uh, of her being Māori. Um, and then you like if if somebody is coming at you from a system where we know we have been um, historically not treated equitably and, and the outcomes haven't been built equitably, um, then it takes a lot to gain regain that trust, right? But like at least being Maori is a is a good step towards that trust and that relationship being able to be repaired. Um, like how big of a part do you think that plays in our and, and, and where we're at in terms of vaccinations at the moment. How big a part does the racism play? Well, no, the, I, I th- just the just the the lack of. I mean, are we something like four percent of the GP population, right? Are, are Maori, like in terms of actual people delivering the message and um, around vaccinations, and there to be uh, who are Maori in the healthcare system helping our people. Yeah. I think visibility is a key thing. You know, uh, the latest stats that I looked at are, I think, from 2018, and they say 3.5% of doctors in Aotearoa are Māori. That is a very low proportion uh, from a population perspective. We're about 17%, but also from a needs perspective. So our health needs are much greater than that because of all the things that you talked about. So really, the visibility of Māori workforce, kai mahi Māori, everywhere you go, when you um, are wanting to do anything related to your health, means that you're not seeing your own reality reflected. Mm. And so that does, that's one important part, I think, of, of what we want to encourage is, you know, we're all in this together. But it doesn't feel like that most of the time. Mm. You know, when, when your intergenerational experience of health services, and of course, health services are predicated on certain kinds of contracts, 
which are predicated on certain kinds of philosophies of what health is about. And so it actually calls into question much bigger issues. But the, but the hot point right now of all of that is it's not safe to be Māori mm. in, health, in general healthcare services. We don't feel safe. And there's lots of indicators of that. Our life expectancy for both um, wahine and, th- uh, and tāne is seven years lower mm. than Pākehā people. So you could say from that, from infant mortality, from all the other indices we, we could talk about, we have learned, we've learned through that intergenerationally that um, it's a healthy choice to be cautious when you're interacting with a healthcare service. And then you've got the layers of what you expect because what your cousin received, what your auntie received, what your mother received, what your grandmother received, what your great-grandmother received, what our people received in the Spanish flu in 1918 and 1919. All these memories have come back and they've been talked about because it's not that long ago when our whānau in that time could see the government was not going to do anything to protect them. They had to try to do it for themselves. And so we've seen a reenactment of that. You know, that history is real to our whānau right now. Mm. It's not something that we think of that happened, you know, a hundred or so years ago. It's very much present. It's, It's difficult to navigate that. And then when you have people in positions of authority um using their knowledge using their influence to to essentially make sure that maori don't get an equitable chance to be vaccinated that is the enactment of of racism of discrimination of that um that dominance and colonization right now this week, that's colonisation in action. It's mm. not an ancient thing. It's, it's with us every day. Hi, kia ora. Um, yeah, sorry, been flip-flopping all over the place here again. Um, <laughs> but, um, if we could go back to the um, the, mm. the the kind of the corridor the around your um, your journey from from uncovering that seed of 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 where you wanted to make a um, a contribution and and what you wanted to do in life, uh, what were some of those challenges that you that you encountered as you were setting out on that path to to into into health? Well, um, I've talked about a few of these uh, in other settings too. I mean, a couple of the classics were, unfortunately, and you know. Um, Sometimes people seize on these opportunities, people in positions of power and the establishment uh, to to try to find weakness, I suppose, uh, to try to illustrate something from their perspective, their story. So when I started medical school, um, one of the surgeons decided that I had taken away a place from one of his sons. And so went to the papers and so there was a story in the papers about that in fact different entry systems I was in the MAPAS um, the Māori and Pacific uh, admission scheme and this other young person was was applying to come straight from school so I wasn't taking away um, that person's place at all but that that 
you know, that would have gotten in the way of a good of, of a good story, mm. according to the people. So um, it did make me realise that I was stepping into a world which was highly contested and guarded by certain people who felt like that their their children and their children and their grandchildren that was their entitlement to be part of that medical um, journey to attend medical school. So that was one of the things, and. Uh, I remember Dr. David Tipani Leach, one of our wonderful mentors at medical school, uh, the chair of our uh, Māori doctors organisation at the moment. Um, he said to me, "Well, just as well you've got broad shoulders, eh, um, anymore." And it, and it's such a simple statement, but it, it actually really helped me a lot because what I received from what he said was, "You've got this. You're, you're going to be okay." Um, it might feel like a lot right now, but actually, yeah, you can handle it. Um, people made comments about, you know, I'd worked in TV and so I must be a bimbo, whatever that means. And and clearly they didn't know any any of the women who work in television because they're very smart women and they work very hard. So, I mean, all these weird kind of um, judgments were, were, were used at times. And... Yeah, it's 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 disheartening, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, there were times when it got me down, and I thought, oh, but it never dis- it never dissuaded me from my path. Mm. I was I was sad for people that who didn't know me and who had those projections about me. Mm. But it didn't stop me working really hard to um, to pass all my exams. I had to. I had young children. I didn't want to have to repeat anything. Kilda, mm. um, and we're lucky for that, right? Um, but then again, 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 I guess like something that you that you kind of mentioned, like you you're you're aware of that grit and that um, probably that that persistence and that tenacity that you that you obviously have to make it through those those challenges. But um, you know, like how, how many of us uh, don't have that, right? And, and actually stop, you know, set off on that path and then go, oh, actually, like I don't have the, the headspace to. To, to fight and, and to exhaust myself pushing through those challenges plus just the regular old challenge of study and, and setting out on what is already a, a daunting pathway. Um, yeah, so Kelda for uh, for pushing through. I think the, uh, the other part of what kept me going was our whānau at the medical school, our whānau of students, and that sense of the vertical whānau because we had, you know, we had our tuakana who were already further down the track and they were very very supportive of us and always there for us and and they sort of handed the baton on to us and we handed it through mm. and therefore the ones coming after us so there was this real sense of lineage whakapapa if you will that was an essential component and so that's I know what we all try to contribute to in in a myriad of different ways now is to look after to support to total out. Māori medical students in particular, because we've been there, we know what mm. it's like, and we actually, we also sadly know that not much has changed in terms of the um, the racism that uh, our Māori medical students face. Mm. What would you say today to, um, you know, having gone through that, uh, to those who, who disagree with the need for a um, for a pathway, for a, you know, a, a Māori medical student quota or, or whatever the... Um, whatever it's called, you know, a pathway. Yeah, that's sort of affirmative action mm. is is critical. Well, 
if we hadn't had that structure, if we hadn't had that mechanism, we'd have even fewer Māori doctors than we have now. And as I said before, about 3.5%. The statistics are a few years old, but it's not going to have changed dramatically in the last three years. So we still have a very small proportion of Māori doctors compared to um, the need. And without that affirmative action, we'd have very, very few. Mm. That would not serve the needs of our community at all. So I think we have some practical, hard evidence that those programs are absolutely necessary. In your your day-to-day mahi and your um your uh, yeah your you know we, we talked about doing versus being but in the in the the doing that you do how much of a part mm-hmm. does your do you think your the feedback loop of you doing the mahi that you do well and making a difference uh contributes to your uh to your confidence to carry on 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 that pathway and and I I guess I'm asking that from the perspective of what we've just talked about so for those who are starting off on that path who might not have yet had that confidence um how much and how uh how much work do we need to do and how do we do that work to to build that confidence um so that others have the same uh you know do, do the same um uh, carry on the same struggle that you have and, and walk that path in the face of those challenges Mm. Sorry, that's a long-winded pathway. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you're asking me is about this interface between, you know, the the doing the mahi that we love and how that then feeds back mm. to uh, enhancing and expanding a sense of confidence and then we can share more about that. And that certainly has been my experience. I mean, there's... There's some evidence that, you know, you need to do something for about 10 years before you get really good at it. And there's, there's definitely something in that. Turning up and and seeing whānau and being there for whānau every day, my, the whānau that I have worked with are, are my greatest teachers. Mm. And I'll often say to whānau now, what I've learned from my whānau that I've worked with in the past is these are the things that are likely to be really helpful. Mm. Because unfortunately, it's 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 difficult in certain situations in, in what are called mental health services, which are also really about mental illness services, but that's another kaupapa. It's hard sometimes to link people up so that they have that peer support even though we know that peer support is really fantastic and evidence-based because peers can have different kinds of conversations than um, professionals like me. Mm. No matter matter how I present myself, I am still in the role of the specialist, whereas a peer who's actually walked in the same shoes is going to connect with a tutor or with a patient in a different way. And so what why I'm sharing that is that I'm, I suppose I'm trying in those conversations where I can't actually bring a peer into a room and say, hey, you guys, please get to know each other and mm. talk and share because that's a healing journey in itself. In the absence of being able to do that, I'm trying to be the conduit of that of just some tiny nuggets of that wisdom that have 
been passed on to me from other whānau who've been through a similar thing. So I, I can stand in that confidence of the knowledge that I've seen in practice that those whānau have used in their lives that has worked for them to then offer that mm. alongside a whole lot of other stuff to offer that special rongoā really in, in a confident way. So that's just one example um, of how the ongoing practice of anything feeds the confidence of how you talk about mm. it, how you communicate what works. And that's a key thing. As a doctor, I'm a practitioner. I'm interested in things that are going to work. Mm. All the things that I've done in my career, my research is all about things that will actually make a difference in people's lives on a daily basis. I am, I'm not somebody who has been involved in learning about things for learning's sake. Mm. And that has its place. We need people who are deep thinkers who will explore the philosophical aspects. That's really important. Mm. I'm not necessarily in my heart that person. Um, I'm about uh, finding some tools that are meaningful. And and the more that I do what I do, the more that it does come down to some pretty simple things. Whakawhanaungatanga mm. is critical. The hononga, the, connect, the connectivity, and the wairua within that, the wairua that's strengthened within that, that, that intuition, that thing that you feel in the pit of your gut this person gets me or this person doesn't really get me. Mm. Those are some of the things that I noticed way back at the beginning when mum was sick, there wasn't anybody around her, Māori, who really got her mm. at that level. So I suppose that's something that I've I've kind of come full circle around that. I've, I've really been taught by my patients and their whānau that if you haven't got that cultural connectivity, you've got nothing. Kilda, mm. our last real uh, partai about your your kind of hiding and your journey into uh, into this life that you love, um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit already. But if if you imagine there's a, a parallel universe uh, where mm. Um, you didn't find the pathway to this this life that you love, or maybe even where you didn't find a pathway to a life that you love so if we think about like you also didn't land in the and in, in this other on this other planet where you are a, a full-time uh practitioner of the arts or you know you're only writing books that oprah loves or you're you're only uh <laughs> doing theater or, or whatever it might be voice acting um you know what is it that you uh and i, would, I do want to come back about the you know what was that like with oprah but um what is it that stopped you in that parallel universe, you think, from, from finding your life that you love, whatever it is? See, I really struggle with uh, believing that that's, that parallel universe exists. Mm. That is not in my nature. I am a person who is full of belief in a positive outcome. And I suppose, in a way, of just thinking about that, it's good that I work in the way that I do as a psychiatrist, because a lot of the people that I see, people in trouble with the law, 
people who have such complex backgrounds intergenerationally, uh, many, many people have kind of stopped believing that they can find a way to heal. Mm. And so I, I, don't, I don't have that barrier in, inside me. Mm. I'm always looking for creative options and possibilities. So I can't even imagine a parallel universe where I haven't discovered a life that I love. When I think about the possible barriers um, for anyone to discovering a life that they love, those barriers coming from the field that I'm in are really around overwhelming trauma, Mm. overwhelming intergenerational trauma, violence, sexual violence, being controlled by others, being stripped of a sense of humanity and human dignity by others. And unfortunately, there are people who've experienced that in their lives. And for them, it is incredibly hard to to find pathways where they can find a life that they love. And that's a big part of why I do what I do, because I want to be part of that hard journey with them. Um, sadly, we have a society where we still we still victim blame, we still have all these other layers of attribution of responsibility of the harm onto the victim. Mm. And so there are so many layers for people who've lived through those sorts of uh, lives and and whose far no far we have lived through those sorts of lives to to discover a different kind of a narrative that is true for them. So so long story short, um, I don't believe in a parallel universe where people can't have a life that they love, but I do see in my in my work some of the big ticket barriers that occur that can really um, get in the way of that. Mm, Kilda. Why do you think you don't believe in it? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Something about my parents, my mm. grandparents, my tupuna, um, there is this momo, you know, when I think about, conversations I've had with my cousins um, in Opodi, Naitakoto. We are the survivors of some, you know, pretty harsh situations. And there are so many amazing stories of resilience mm. from our old people. But of course then there are there are other people in the wider iwi who who don't somehow feel that they can access that Mm. and maybe it's people who don't feel entitled because they have this idea that they're not Maori enough uh, or other reasons that that restrict their sense of being allowed into that world. So anything that I can do to remind people or highlight to people, look, that world's just waiting for you all the time. Mm. It's available to you no matter how whakamai you might feel or shy or awkward or or whatever the fear is that is is, is stopping you from stepping into that room. That That is your room. That is the lounge of your house. Mm. That is your whare um, just waiting for you. So 
it's hard to know where that uh, that sort of stubborn, really mm. stubborn um, <laughs> quality comes from. But I I am a bit of a, a dog with the bone, with the old belief about and hope, I suppose, mm. that there's always a way. Kilda. Yeah, and I mean, uh, this is um, a kind of quick bit that I that I think about a little bit, and I I think um, like I, I reckon you're you're right, and I mean, you know, here's me talking to you saying I reckon you're right um, about anything to do with uh, with thinking. Um, like if I, I think about my like like what you're saying about that access to and that you know your your mama and your 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 um, parents and your tupuna, um, like maybe a part of it is just knowing that that knowing that that um that history and that that potential and that mm-hmm. um that ability is there in your fucker papa right like i um i think about my my mum and dad and um when i was growing up uh, my uh my two uh tuahine and the um photo behind me there uh, passed away when they were 6 and 8 and so i watched my um my mum and dad kind of uh live with that and obviously they still live, still live with it um but live with that and carry on uh you know really w- with with this incredible spirit and this incredible resilience um and so i had you know i've i've got really close access to that i know that that's a possibility that it is possible to to carry on and uh and enjoy your life in the face of of stuff and i actually then i um probably one of the the most traumatic things in, in my in my life was a car accident that I had when I was 21 in the 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 wahine in the um in the car which I hit uh, uh called Lorna passed away in that in that accident and so I um had had to face into that but I had this I had this access to the knowledge that like mum and dad could live through that um and so I can I can live through this and, and carry on and actually try to be happy and believe that I can be happy um and so that access was was really was really nearby whereas I guess if we have to go five or six layers back into our whakapapa and we're not familiar with that whakapapa we don't know the stories of of our tūpuna who have done these incredible things um yeah then like I said that connection isn't there right it's it's a different yeah it's, it's a much harder quest to find that belief Maybe. Yes, and that's one of the deliberate ploys of colonisation, of mm. course, is to sever those ties. And and so that's why it's so important that we do teach the real history of Aotearoa in schools mm. because that in, in itself to me is a, is a, is a whole-order intervention. That is a healing intervention because, for one thing, all of, you know, us as Māori, um have access more broadly to those stories mm-hmm. to those stories of resilience of the, of loss and grief and tragedy and horror and how and and so we learn by we learn through the story and we put ourselves in the shoes of those in the story and we can more easily put ourselves in the shoes of the people when we know that we're related mm-hmm. to the people because they are us, we are them much more clearly. And then you're actually building a visceral experience, a real biofeedback 
system experience within the physiology of the tamariki, the rangatahi, around, wow, you know, that's horrifying, that's awful, all the emotions, and and this is how the people survived. Mm. And this is how they managed to claw their way back or however they manage that. So it draws it reminds people, it reminds all of us that we can draw on those lessons of our old people, of our tupuna in the now. Mm. And like you say, you know, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sorry to hear about all those things. Um, that's incredibly sad and tough. Mm. And, and exactly in the way that you've described, you know, wouldn't we want that kind of um, story of resilience to be available to all of our tamariki mm. Because let's face it, you know, our children are much more likely to be growing up in poverty with difficulties. Mm. That's no choice of their own, and it's not their parents' fault either. Mm. We're not beating up on our no on our matua, um, because it's not it's not their fault either. Mm. It's not about that. So. I think that's it comes back to how these systems need to change. It's these are all mental health interventions, but of course we don't think about them like that. Mm, Kilda. And now for a word from our sponsors. Paperback Gorillas is brought to you by Carpty Island Honey, the finest honey on the We're not really sponsored. Carpty Island Honey is just the koha we send out to our manuhiri to say thank you for their time in Modi. We spend our time and energy on this kopapa because we believe it's worth it in order to share these korero, these conversations and learnings with you. But aside from those hours that we spend, it does also cost money, especially as more and more of these conversations have to happen remotely. Not many of the tools that work well are free. But again, we spend that money because we think it's worth it. If you're enjoying this episode or any of the others and you think they're worth the time and money, then please visit our Patreon page and look at how you can help out. By becoming a patron, you'll get exclusive access to a whole bunch of extra content, including one of my favorites, which is the breakdown and lessons or learnings that I've had uh, from each of these kōrero, uh, which I take time to write out after each episode. Uh, you'll have a chance to suggest manuhiri or guests and a whole lot more. But most importantly, you'll be helping keep this kōpapa alive. And you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash paperbackgorillas. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash paperbackgorillas. The link is in the show description. There are $2 options, $5 options, and every bit of help means that we're paying less out of our own pocket to share these learnings with you. This is also the part of the show where I say thank you to our paperback gorilla patron Fano who are already doing that. So Atafai, Anaru, Anna, Arama and Lincoln, ngā mihi nui kia koutou. A massive thank you to all of you for your support, your belief in the kaupapa. We wouldn't be online if it wasn't for you. Kia ora. Diving a bit more into the the, the detail of your of your matauranga, why is talking about our, our mamai... Um, useful why is it so important to our mental health um and i say that having experienced that and doing that myself often and and quite proactively through music Mm -hmm. and through writing and through through other um through other mechanisms so i know that it's really powerful and useful and and beneficial uh why is it so useful and how do we encourage that amongst Mm -hmm. those who are at a point where they're ready to do that um yeah, look, the I think part of the why there are, there are so many things that I want to say about this. 
communicating our our pain, our suffering, our grief, our loss is uh, does a number of things in that it it creates a normalization. It creates a shared experience with somebody else and with ourselves. So for a lot of people I work with, they're often saying words out loud that they've never heard themselves say mm. before. And I and I often say to parents, as parents can be a bit shocked about the words that come out of their children's mouths, right? And so I'm, I'm often saying to parents, well, let's just remember that this young person hasn't rehearsed this. Mm-hmm. These are words coming out of their mouth on the back of feelings, on the back of a whole lot of stuff that's probably been locked up in there for a while, and it's pouring out, and let's just let's just let it wash over us and remember that they're hearing these things for the first time too. Mm. So the, the listening part is also critical for the person speaking and listening to themselves and for the people around that are listening and bearing witness. And I think that's another part, just being in the room with somebody who chooses to start talking about their pain is incredibly powerful mm. and just sitting there and nodding even if you're thinking wow i have i no idea how to respond to this i don't know what to say wow this is this is quite scary stuff this is freaking me out just sitting with the person and saying i'm here with you i'm here for you i'm so glad that you're talking about this Just let them talk. Mm. We know that in our society, especially in Aotearoa, we have a lot of, you know, the backstory of our country, the sort of man against nature, man alone, our our, our, um, archetypes for our men, our narratives for our men are about not showing emotion because that's weakness, Um, you know, the strong silent type, the southern man, all Mm. all of these stereotypes to have a grain of truth, right? And so particularly for our our Tani and helping our young boys to see that, you know, yes, dad has a tangi or dad mm. dad can show gentleness and dad can show his humor and his fun and his caring and, and all those beautiful ways that maybe aren't part of a traditional Kiwi male stereotype. Mm. And I know that for our Tane in, in the Māori society, in our Māori world, there's, there's a fair amount of that too mm. um, in our own unique way. So talking and listening, sharing, sharing, um, seeing how people want to tell the story of their life, the story of their pain, because there are insights that come with that. As people tell that story, they, you know, pennies drop. Mm. People start saying things and then they might say, oh, you know, I've just realised that there's a connection between these things and this is why I was so so hurt by that experience. This is why I was so desperate and, and full of um, anguish because of these other experiences so people start to weave those connections together and it builds insight it builds a sense of meaning that connectivity amongst the thinking amongst the words amongst the whakaro 
this is a healing in itself. Mm. Kilda. Um, talking about healing, the um the suicide prevention strategy, uh, which I think you you played a part in. I have over the years hmm. had had been part of various groups, and I'm currently chairing the Maori Expert Advisory hmm. Panel to the Suicide Prevention Office, which is quite a new configuration of the way things are done at the Ministry of Health. Cool. Um, so in there, there's there's quarter uh, about enabling our whānau and um, families and community members when they are experiencing uh, suicidal distress or yeah suicidal distress. So um, and this is something that uh, and you know we kind of potentially touched it on, touched on it a little bit earlier as well. But what are those signs of distress that we can be looking for in our in our whānau, um, so that we actually you know, know when we should be doing something, whatever that might be, and that's a whole nother pathway and a whole nother call at all. But um yeah, what first firstly what what signs should we actually be looking out for? Yeah, so I think the the way that I approach this sort of question is to think about uh, building strong relationships first. So mm. obviously we want to work to prevent people feeling suicidal in the first place. Um, and so that's all the all the things that foster strong relationships. And, and we all in all finally we have fights, we have fallings out, we 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 have all the whole gamut of things, but at the core, the the fariki of the whānau is the thing that we want to be strengthening. And then, you know, I, I think we just gotta be careful about how we uh, position our thinking around this because there can be a tendency to rattle off well these are all the kinds of symptoms of mental illness and if we look out for those then we are and, and that is in a, in a way that has its place mm-hmm. it's, it's a sort of necessary but not sufficient response because many people who become suicidal don't have a mental illness mm-hmm. Suicidality is is a thing that hunts with the pack of poverty and food insecurity and and lack of opportunity and poverty of thinking and poverty of of resources. So I I want to make sure that we remember that people who are under pressure are at higher risk of thinking about suicide. I suppose the key things that I wanted to say were around um, look out for people who who you notice a kind of disconnect between maybe an overcompensatory brave face, mm. people who are putting on a bit of an act about being okay. And I think most of us are pretty good at, at noticing that and thinking, oh, you know, that that's slightly... Um, there's, there's a slight air of, of, of that being constructed, mm. you know, being curated for my benefit. Mm. What's really going on? So one of the things I say a lot to people in my whānau, in my friend circle, and to my patients in their whānau is I say, I get the feeling that you're pretty good at putting on a brave face. Mm. And... So what's really going on underneath that? I mean, we all, and, and, and normalising it, of course we mm. all do it. We all do it. And to say, so, but what what's really going on, you know? I know you're telling me you're fine, but it's just not what I'm feeling in my puku right mm. now. 
So when we get that feeling of the disconnect between the mismatch, between what's on the surface and, and the sort of vibe we're getting from the person, I think that's a really important one. When people are withdrawing from the things that they normally do, if, you, if you're normally getting a phone call from somebody or you're phoning somebody and they're answering their phone, emails, FaceTime, especially at the moment with the different lockdowns mm. and the uncertainty, if there's a bit of a withdrawal, that's definitely something to, to um, follow up with. And the other big thing is substance abuse. Mm. When people start using, and they might be quite secretive about it, they might be pretty sneaky about it, we know that um, many people who become suicidal and then become dangerously suicidal are not, they're not sober. So when people are using substances, cannabis, alcohol, alcohol's a big one, it really disinhibits all of us. Oh. So we know that's one of the reasons we drink alcohol because we like a little bit of disinhibition. We get anxious about going out and hanging out with people. So we have some drinks. We feel a bit more confident. We're all in that. We're all the same in that regard. Um, but it really does uh, switch off the frontal lobes of the brain. And so your, your planning and your judgment is, is really distorted. Mm. And so that is a risk factor for people who are having a feeling in pain, feeling distressed, maybe th having some suicidal thoughts. That's the thing to um, to really pay attention to and do something about um, in a in a in an urgent way when people are becoming intoxicated and they're very distressed, or they oh. might even start talking about suicide. Can you talk to us then now about the um, about holistic thinking and the mental health system? Uh, what state is it in now? What's working, uh, or and what's not working? What could be better? Okay, so in a nutshell, we do have a fundamental problem in that we still organise our services, as I alluded to before, the contracts, the philosophical approach is, is a mind-body split one. Um, you know, if you if you think about a hospital campus near where you live, there'll be the main mm. hospital, and then somewhere down the back, there'll be a mental health unit hidden away, um, hard to mm. find sometimes. And so that's how our services are configured spatially, and often that's how we think about them and notice them. Of course, that is not mm. how people live. We live with all these things wrapped up together. And in fact, we know in medicine that mental health, the neuropsychoimmunological aspects of health are intertwined. But we do continue to perpetuate this falsehood that there's the mind stuff and there's the body stuff and, and they're quite separate. So that, that's a problem. And even, even with whare tapa whaa, um, I think people forget about the whare. Yeah. You know, we think about the whaa, <laughs> now mea e whaa, now tapa e whaa, the wall, the four walls. But we forget that this is actually a united oh. whare. And it's on a whenua and it has its own history. It has its own whakapapa. So I think that's a fundamental problem that gets in the way. Of course, many of us are approaching our work in a holistic manner, but the system itself is not set up in that way. Uh, so that's a, that's a problem that could be changed for the better. In accepting and putting into practice a more holistic 
approach is definitely going to be more meaningful to our Māori whānau who need that kind of support. Builder. Um On that, that need for support, like, uh, I mean, we know that as Māori we have a, you know, we have entirely different outcomes to non-Māori, right, and there's, there's a bunch of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think any of that, uh, the loss that we have, um, so we talked about whanaungatanga and um, and that, that need for the, the honunga and the, the connection um, and our memory of that, right? Like, like in our bones, we remember mm. what that was like because we know how, you know, we, we strive towards and we grab it when it's there. Um, how big a part do you think the loss of that that hapu living and, and that living as iwi um, has had and that loss of, of connection that was once so normal for us, does that have anything to do with our our current health stats and the the challenges that um, that we face sometimes as a people? Mm. Oh, absolutely. So, just to take one example, which which is a telling one for me, we know that the way that we uh, brought up our tamariki back in the day, which was a small number of tamariki growing up with a mm. with a large group of farmers around, um, that is ideal. That is an ideal way for uh, our tamariki to grow. And, and international experts from all cultures mm. recognise this. They recognise what our ancestors knew very well. So that the fact that that has been eroded and that we are now, for the most part, m- many of us, not all of us, some people are lucky enough to carry on living in that, in that um, way of, of time immemorial, and that is mm. very, very healthy. But People are continuing to come, and we know all around the world, people are continuing to come and live in cities, and cities are not set up like that. So they tend to have childcare arrangements where there are large numbers of children and small Mm. numbers of adults. So that's absolutely around the wrong way in terms of what we know about brain development, uh, psychosocial, emotional development of our tamariki mokopuna. So just from that perspective alone, and many of us, certainly developmental doctors like myself, would argue strongly when you get that part right uh, and you get the parenting part right and you're looking after our mamas and our papas and the mental health issues there and we know that there are huge problems with suicidality and and completed suicide for our young Māori mums, that restoring those means of living uh, so that the the restoration of papakainga is about mm. oranga. It is about intergenerational uh, hauora because that's going to promote much better brain development, emotional development, connectivity, whanaungatanga, all of those things, um, resilience, making sure everyone will know the stories and the histories. It it creates an environment for all of those things to happen and to be reclaimed in healthy ways so I absolutely agree with I think what you're inviting me to talk about around haputanga which is um, communal living collective ways of thinking about our identity are at the center Mm. of our well-being and I think even at the um you know even at a on a smaller scale than that like it's the it's got to be one of the most ridiculous things uh that we've ridiculous paths that we've set on right set out on which is that one of in the society in western society we think you know we should 
all be working. We should all be doing this nine to five and, you know, working hard. And the harder you work at that your nine to five, the, you know, the, the more successful you are as a, as a person. Um, but also like, we should also raise these, these children, you know, and, you know, like, let's have three or four children, like, we, you know, like we might've used to in the day, but even like the generation before mine, where like mom didn't work all the time, but but dad did. So we had at least one mm. parent there who could even facilitate some of that, that unonga and some of that, that haputanga um, in Otaki, where we could actually do some of that stuff. Um, but now we go like, let's live out in the city and let's all work and let's all carry on raising uh, children while we're at work somehow um, without that that connection. Like it's, it's just bananas. Um, is there um, anything that, that you think we could do better when it comes to raising better at when it comes to raising tamariki to have the independence they need to go out into tao um but still have the balance right and you know the selfish part i hear is uh, papa of a three-year-old and a six-year-old um but still give them that that love and that that smothering that i want to give them um without making them smothered <laughs> Yeah, look, I think this is a really interesting question, isn't it? This the the interplay and this and the tension sometimes between independence and interdependence. And so my take on it is look, our, our tupuna weren't anti-independence. Many of them were incredibly independent, rule-breaking, mischief-making um, characters. And they were also deeply embedded in an interdependent identity and way of living. So how to foster the best of all of that for our generation, our children and generations to come? Yeah, it's 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 not easy. And, and so I think first thing I'd say is as modern day parents we have to give ourselves cuts ourselves some slack and be okay about mm. getting it wrong sometimes or not getting it perfect I think there is this idea about some kind of perfect parenting it just doesn't exist um, trying our best weighing things up talking with other um, pakeke other matua that we know sharing uh, thinking about well how do we the connectivity is the is the is the juice of it. I feel is the is the fuel. Without the connectivity, without that real kind of operationalizing of the interdependence, then in, independent activity can just sort of lead them off into their own path, and there's no way to kind of pull them back and have them reflect on, well, what about that was working for you and what about that was a bit off the rails perhaps. So starting with the bedrock of the connectivity, all the things that feed that, all the things that strengthen that, which is like day after day of ordinary whānau life. You know, ordinary whānau life might feel like it's boring or it's humdrum or it's just so normal but hey, this is this is the meat and potatoes part this is uh it's it's quantity mm. not quality you know many of us were told back in the day all oh, mm. quality time is what it's all about that is complete rubbish quantity is everything so being there being there with the tamariki day after day after day being predictable parents turning yeah. up 
them knowing that you're going to turn up. These are the critical things. And then from that basis, we're now tamariki. Well, naturally, because life makes us all like this, naturally want to try things by themselves. They learn, you know, they learn to walk and go to the toilet and talk and all those things quite independently, but with mm. a context around those learnings. So I don't have any paint by numbers um, solution to that. It is very much a um, learning yeah. as you go for the whole whanau, especially for the parents. But I think trying not to be perfect and, and having some good self-awareness around that and learning by when things don't go quite according to plan and just spending day after day as much time as you can with your kids, that's mm. the crucial part. Kilda. Um and lastly, because I know you have to go, um, I loved something that, uh, that that you said somewhere um, about treating our our children like the uh, like the tupuna that they will become. Um, I'd love mm. to hear your, a little bit more of your fakaro on that, and also about the um, you know can we apply that same concept to ourselves, uh, and is that a valuable thing to do? Hmm. Oh, cup. I, I I do think it's you. I've seen this work in in my practice and my work. This idea that um, that we can offer to ourselves, to our tamariki, hey, we are all tupuna. We are all tupuna of the future. And in some in some iwi, for example, in the north, we actually use that kupu for people who are alive, mm. who are grandparents. We we call them tupuna. I know it's not the same. Uh, is that all around the country but um, I do see it being really really positive in that it just opens up a whole different way of thinking often when Bono are feeling quite almost trapped uh, that they don't have enough resources that they're feeling bereft or they just don't know what to do with parenting their tamariki mokopuna and to say hang on well this is a tupuna you know this is a tupuna and you're mm. a tupuna too and one day somebody's going to say oh that was my great great grandfather oh, that was my great great auntie mm. and that's you and that's your baby right now so how does this change our sense of feeling resourced and resourceful and en- having energy for this and it does unleash a different kind mm. of vibe a different kind of um excitement and you know there's one thing I know that is so healing for our whanau it's when they start to delight when we delight in mm. our tamariki when we actually just go oh my god I love you you're incredible look at you doing mm. that wow I love the way you did that without me <laughs> asking you to you know <laughs> stuff like that so I I think the tupuna factor uh releases this joy this delight and a sense of legacy and a sense of wow you know oh we better we better you know take a lot of care here because mm. this is a tupuna mm. um, we we really want to it brings forward a real sense of commitment to doing things mm. right and to, to trying mm. our best when people feel exhausted or but you know, over it, or they are struggling to find good things to say about mm. their tamariki, which, you know, in my job is not an uncommon thing to hear from our from our whanau. So when people are feeling a bit like uh, glass half empty, 
I I offer these ideas and it does seem to be helpful for everybody, not only the tamariki, mm. right? The matsu as well. Kilda. Um Yeah, and actually, I mean, the, the, uh, it's, uh, it's something I've seen more and more on LinkedIn actually popping up, you know, a hashtag of be a good ancestor, um, which is which is the same thing, yeah. right? It's thinking about that. What is the... Uh, what is the long-term impact that I'm having here? And what what is, uh, how do I, what perspective am I thinking about this thing here within, um, which is always good, right? I mean, I think uh, that that perspective thinking is is probably aside, you know, alongside that, I was saying that connection for that, that access to the examples that I've had of my mum and dad, that perspective, uh, mm-hmm. being able to think in perspective is probably one of the, the best tools that I've got in my kit there, which again I think comes from from mum and dad and through through a bunch of different things. Um, but yeah, Eho, I know you have to to go. Um, I'll share one uh, from my yes, book, please. And it really is very much in the the theme of what we've just been talking about, which is um, I wanted to I wanted to write. Mm. Um, at the end of my book and I was lucky enough to go to mm. Antarctica a couple of years ago so I waited till I was in Antarctica and I learned about our ancestors who had been there mm. in the 7th century Huitirangi was one and so um, what what I wrote was Te Reringa o Huitirangi Ora the journey of Huitirangi Ora follow in the footsteps of our ancestors that's a way that we can be well. That's a way that our planet can be well. Uh, so I think that, you know, following in our ancestors' footsteps, drawing on the beautiful wisdom, the often um, pretty challenging mm. wisdom of our tupuna and held within whakatauki, whakatauaki, is a real uh, source of strength and provides that impetus uh, to carry on, to keep mm. believing, holding that hope alive and see those possibilities. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably a fitting a fitting way for for me to um, whakakapi whakakorero. Uh, mm. Kia ora. Kia ora. Sorry, um, yeah, thank you again for, for your time. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, so many, so many, so many taonga in there and so many um, really important, reminders and 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 learnings for me as well as uh i'm sure some of some of our listeners as well um yeah very personal uh reminders in there and i'm sure they'll be as personal for for our for our listeners too um thank you again for all of your mahi and the work that you do for us um and for being one of those um one of those uh faces who we can trust and voices who we can trust uh, in the system uh, and a reminder that, you know, there are actually ways that we can work within the system to make it work for us um, and to change it when we need to as well. Um, Because without you doing your mahi, it can be hard for us to see that. So um, thank you. And also, of course, uh, if you haven't already, uh, (laughs) check out the the book, Aroha, um, He Taonga Tēnei, I've got my e my yeah. ebook copy.
Well, that's us here, Tefano. Uh, thanks for stopping by, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Paperback Gorillas as much as we enjoyed having the kōrero. Uh, most importantly, we hope there was something in there for you of value uh, to put into your kete and take away. Uh, don't forget to hit subscribe on your podcast app or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash paperbackgorillas, uh, and check out paperbackgorillas.co.nz uh, for videos and news about upcoming episodes. And while you're here, just another plug, patreon.com slash paperbackgorillas, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash paperback gorillas uh show us some love totoko uh some support uh, and help us keep the lights on and help keep the podcast ad free kia ora